to our Think Kingdom podcast. Let's continue in our series titled Emotions. This one's about anger, the monster within. So let's go ahead and jump in and see what God's word has for us with our lead pastor, Antoine Lassiter. We're going to jump right into uh, the message. Uh, we're in a sermon series, Emotions, and uh, the first part was facing how you feel. Uh, anybody have an opportunity to face how you feel last week? Anybody? Amen. I know I did. John chapter 10, verse 10. Uh, A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But this is Jesus speaking. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. I want you to repeat the second part with me. Jesus has come so that we may have life and have it in abundance. Now, the framework for uh, this sermon series, um, I got, I got five, six points. That's the framework um, because, you know, when you talk about emotions, it can be touchy um, because we're taught not to feel what we feel. Um, men don't cry. And, um, and, and so what we are trying to divorce ourselves, if we're going to live fully, and I want to live full, right? All right, you can make me work. That's fine. Number one, uh, God created us to live in relationship with himself, ourselves, and with others. We can fully know ourselves, know others, and we can fully experience life. The people around us should never be the collateral damage while we're healing. Everyone on earth that has experienced hurt and pain has to be led out of it. You can't lead yourself out of this one. God wants our pretty and our ugly. He wants it all. God desires his children to love each other like we've never been hurt. That is a heaviness that I can't bear. But this is what he's calling us to do. And um, this is an accidental sermon, if I'm honest. Uh, Right in the middle of um, COVID and the quarantine and life, it was an impromptu group that me and a handful of people, we just started and we started talking about emotions. Because what we were seeing was our emotions were all over the place and we were hiding how we felt. So we gave them the church answers. How you doing? Blessing, highly favored of the Lord. And the reality that we lived was far, was farther than, the, than, than the, what we profess. And so we're talking, the broad stroke of this message is windows and mirrors. So we talked about Jahari's window last week. Remember that? Uh, The first window is to know self and to know others. uh, I know and you know. That's the first window. You, You know, I know. The second window is not known to self, but known to others. Commonly referred to are blind spots. It's I don't know but you know. Uh, the third window pane is uh, not known to others, but known to self. I know, but you don't know. 
And sometimes, based on earliness in the relationship, sometimes it's actually a facade that we put on because I don't want you to see my ugly. So I prefer to keep you at a distance. And so I wear a mask. Not anybody in this church, um, but the churches that are not this church. Um, uh, so uh, not, not known to others or known, not known to self. I don't know. You don't know. We're yet to discover it. So sometimes uh, we're walking this journey together and we're put in um, a situation or it could be an intimate relationship, however you want to describe it. And, and, and we don't know what we're capable of. And it's not all bad. Sometimes tragedy happens and we pull together. And, and, and so there's a question mark at times because we don't know and we have yet to discover. So I want you to keep this window in view at all times and because I, I really want us to understand just because you cannot see it doesn't mean it's not there. Um, just because you can't see, we're talking about anger. I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but, but bear with me. Uh, we're talking about anger. And sometimes you can't see your anger like the other people that's living in your house. It's a blind spot. Um, and we all have things we don't want others to see. And so I believe that in this season that we're in, we must come out of the shadows and live life fully in order to become what God has called us to become. I am literally saying that the darkness that we have allowed to, to continue to consume our hearts, we got to shed some light on, it, light on it. And so God desires you and I to become emotionally healthy. Say emotionally healthy. We have a choice. We can either mask it or manage our emotions. We have a choice. And emotions, remember last week, are like restrained elephants. They can go where it wants to. And they can be heavy, they, make a lot of, they can make a lot of noise, and they can be destructive. Do not think for one second that just because we face how we feel, last week's message, that somehow we are victorious. Because facing how you truly feel can be ugly. I am that mean. Okay, John chapter 5, verse 5. Um, one man was, uh, was there who had been disabled for 38 years. Um, I got a long way to go, so I trust that you're going to be like the Bereans and write these scriptures down uh, to see if these things that I'm saying are true. So I want you to challenge, I'm challenging you to, um, to really seek these scriptures, ask Holy Spirit to guide you. Um, but uh, uh, John chapter 5, verse 5 um, and 8 um, through 8, one man was there who had been disabled for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and realized he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to get well? I believe this is the question that God is asking this church. Do we want to be whole? Do we want to get well? And so we're human. Uh, this is the man's response. Sir, uh, the disabled man answered, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me. Jesus simply says, get up. And Jesus told him, pick up your mat and walk. And so I believe this is the framework. This is the journey that we're going to be um, working through. The 
biggest question is not can you, but do you? Like, like, I can't control my emotions. That's not what we're asking. Do you want to get well? Um, I, want to, I want a church that's healthy, um, a, a church that exemplifies the, the love of God. And, and so in order for us to live ready, sermon series prior to this one, we must live full. But many of us are experiencing impaired living. And impaired living is when we numb the voices of our heart and not live a life of God's truth. And so to live, to live, we find ourselves defending our hearts against further pain. We fail to be healthy relationally and emotionally, and then we seek counterfeits as the result. And these counterfeits make horrible masters. The counterfeits of food, drugs, sex. This leads us to seek in each other only what God can give us. And so these are survivors' comments when we have succumbed to the fact that we truly do not believe that we can live full. We say things like, that's life. I'm different. These things don't affect me. Well, at least I don't. Uh, It's small stuff. I I can't do that. That I I should be grateful. Gratefulness has nothing to do with feeling pain. You can live in these two states. I'm grateful, but I can acknowledge my pain. To live life full, we have to live in a way that we do not uh, pretend we're not hurting. God has never called us to ignore our emotions, how we feel, just not to be led by them. That's what he's calling us to. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. God has set eternity in our hearts. But I like what the NLT, because it says this beautifully. It says, yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. In doing so, we realize there is so much more. There's more than what I can see. And that longing cannot be ignored. We possess something inside of us that makes us realize that there is something more. And when we refuse to live fully, we suppress the questions of our hearts and become threatened when others begin to ask. The longing in our hearts, the feelings or the emotions that we we have cannot be ignored ignored. It's something to it. And today we're going to explore anger. Today, emotions, anger, the monster within. Anger is defined as a strong feeling of annoyance, displeasure, or hostility. But anger isn't all bad or completely bad. In fact, we see instances of anger throughout Scripture, and the Bible has a lot to say about anger. Anger can fuel our passion and drive us to right wrongs or fight for injustice or to seek, equal, or to seek equality or stand with, with and for those who have no voice. It's only when anger is processed from an impaired life that it becomes dangerous. 
and does harm. Anger also is a secondary emotion. And to understand it, we must go to the source of what can cause it. Now, um, there's a popular T-shirt, and uh, I dig that T-shirt. Um, it says, I need Jesus and therapy. And um, uh, in, in, in certain communities, we, we, we balk at that, and we make, and we say, you act like I'm crazy. No, man, trying to manage your emotions is actually a healthy thing. And so when, when, what I'm dealing with is the spiritual nat- nature of our emotions, but trigger warning that you may be triggered in these series of messages. Please do not, do not take it upon yourself to walk it yourself. Um, I, I used to work in the mental health field, and I know therapists, and if you hang out with me closely, uh, I believe everybody needs it. The same way we need, everybody needs a doctor. So I'll give you an example. So a guy says, hey, man, I haven't been to a doctor in 45 years. You won't say, man, way to go. You say, hey, you need regular checkups. And so it's the same thing with our mental health. So um, as, we, as we do this, um, I, I really want to talk about that monster that's anger, that, that's called anger. And um, I believe if we don't address the, that monster, then we will continue to be saved and sanctified with the hawk living inside of us, ravaging the people closest to us. And then we become cliché. And we say things like, I'm under construction. God is not finished with me yet. But your construction is being destructive to the people that live with you. We should never be collateral damage. And so um, let me show you what I mean. Let me show you what I mean. So, so, what, so the, the thing with... with um, Anger, uh, the, the thing with anger, is, it's, it's like driving a nail through a person's heart when it's not managed. You say things that you don't mean. And it's just the nail that keeps going into a person's heart. And sometimes that anger cuts so deep that the nail goes deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper, and then you say, I'm sorry. And sometimes that nail can go so deep that it's hard to pull that nail out the board. Let me break this down a little further. I understand you're mad, but watch your words. Because another nail goes in, but there's another nail that's already been in for a while. And now what's happening is the replay. Now I'm mad over this, so another nail goes in. But this nail strikes me at my core, and this nail is driven deep. And over time, I have a heart full of nails, and we think just because we say sorry, pull out the nail. We say, we say sorry, you know how I get, and we pull, we're, trying, we're, we're attempting to pull out the nail, but here's the problem with pulling out the nail. The nail might not be there, but the hole still is. And so God is, is beckoning us. God is calling us. 
I know we're professing. I know we're learning scriptures. I know we're in community. But he, he is provoking us. This is the time that we must get healthy. And it starts with our emotions. You can't even lose weight if your mind ain't right. It's interesting the, how the mind play. And here's the problem. Over time, I just, I just walk around this nail. I don't even, it's here, but I just pretend it's not. Because over time, even in the people that's closest to us, we hurt. And God is beckoning the man, beckoning the woman. Like, yes, yes, your behavior was changed and you brought the flowers and you said the kind words, but the hole is still there. And what are we going to do as a church family? I understand. Remember the windows. I understand there are blind spots and the stuff that we can't see, but I'm not going to pastor a mega church of people that are not emotionally healthy. That's not my desire. My desire is for all those connected to this family is to live full. But you can't live full if you don't confront what's causing the impairment. And this is what God, thanks Gary, this is what God is, is calling us to. And so my prayer is that we understand what this means. That many of us, we are living holy, but not the kind that we're professing. We are living with holes in our hearts and we're passing God help us and we're passing it to our children and we're not even giving them a fighting chance. God help us. And that's what the mandate of this season is. That is what the heart cry of the Holy Spirit is beckoning your pastor. We have to get this right. And so I, I want you to understand that this season it's going to be uncomfortable for many of us because it's going to be, it's not we have enough information. It's time for transformation. It's time that I used to, not that I still am. And God is saying that through Proverbs 14 and 29, listen to the word of God. People with understanding control their anger. A hot temper shows great foolishness. So anger is like the check engine on your light on your car that's on. It reveals that something is under the hood that warrants further inspection. It doesn't matter if the car isn't noticeably changing. But anger can be that check engine light that's, okay, I need to take it to someone above myself. They got to have the diagnostic tools to determine the cause of the issue. But this is the verse that we are woven into this series. I want you to repeat after me because this can be overwhelming. And every time I'm studying this, it becomes overwhelming. And that's why we go back to John chapter 10, verse 10. Let us say it together. A thief comes only to steal. Say it with me. A thief and kill and destroy. But Jesus is saying, I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. Impaired living is hoping that the anger we display privately is never exposed. So like a monster living under the bed in our children's room, it lurks in our shadows, tormenting us. This monster lives in the dark places of our hearts, ready to come out when we feel threatened, when we are afraid, or we feel neglected. The monster called anger is really trying to protect us. 
The problem with the monster, it's a parasitic relationship, robbing us of control, hijacking our sensibilities. Remember, this is from an impaired space. And that's why some of us are dealing with migraines and can't sleep at night and nauseous because the monster of anger is literally taking over your biology. And that's why many, many are, are high blood pressure, increased migraines and, and headaches. Some of us can't sleep at night. We're anxious and it all can be traced to anger. But I thank God for Jesus that he has sent his word to heal them. If you are listening, if you apply what God is speaking at this moment, you can, we can be healed. And so he says, anger is only the fever. It's just a symptom. God is not in the business of treating symptoms. God gets to the root. And symptoms show up way before the root is exposed. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, guard your heart above all else. Why? Before, because it determines the course of your life. Uh, CSB version 4, it is the source of life. Your heart is under attack, and that's why the command is to guard our hearts. It indicates that our hearts are important and implies that there is something that we can do to protect, and there's something that we must protect it from. But it's also to note, according to Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, that our heart is sick. So on one hand, guard it and protect it, but our operating system, our default system also, remember this is before Christ, that our heart is also deceitfully wicked. The human heart, I love the NLT, I'm sorry, tech team, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? And so I come to serve notice on you, sir, on you, ma'am, that the remedy is Jesus. Anger is easier than facing the underlying issue. There are more complex issues underneath the surface. And anger gives us an immediate, simple explanation. It helps us feel in control and gives us a sense of power. So we attempt to cover it up. We even try to pray around it or hide from it. Anger is the reason why we won't bully politicians. Anger is the reason why we elect folks who have no moral character, because we want them to be the bully that we secretly want to be ourselves. That is what anger is doing. We yell out things, it's time for us to fight back. Fight back from what? The earth is the law and, and the fruit therein. I'm getting excited, so let me slow down. We act as if God needs someone to fight for him. But anger makes us believe it's our duty. Uh, anger is a monster. And so we're going to take a brief look at their causes of anger. The first cause is hurt, an unmet need. Hurt is an unmet need, and I need to feel safe and secure. And it's easier to be angry than to face my pain. It's a paradox, if you think about it. The very, thing that, that, uh, the very thing God uses to heal us, relationships, is also the very thing that has hurt us, relationships. Isn't it interesting that people connected to me, I experience it, you experience it, we experience it. Everybody talks about church hurt, but how to be healed from it is church. 
that's so paradoxical. It, it's, it's how do we know that we're healed from a relationship? By being in another relationship. It's, it's paradoxical. But healing won't and can't happen when we deny that we were even hurt. And so what you won't expose can't be healed. And that's why we are seeing the exposing of the wrongs publicly. Like, God is long-suffering, and he loves us, and he allows us to get it right. But don't you fool yourself. See, God wants us to humble ourselves, and then the enemy gets wind of it. He humiliates. And so the, the, the outstretching of our healing is literally connected to honesty. Saying that you are hurt is the first expression of wanting to be healed. Denying it keeps you in the cycle. Hope is searching a way through pain. One of the greatest traps for hurt is resentment. Because resentment allows the pain without the vulnerability. Resentment is saying nothing is wrong when everything says the opposite. Things clearly point there's something wrong. But resentment is, I want to punish you, but I don't want to expose my hurt. You want the other person to figure it out. You want them to work and to investigate. Resentment turns the hurt you feel against the person. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31, he says, Let all bitterness, bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Wait a minute. Resentment can, live, can lead to bitterness. Anger can beget a belief that we can act any way we want to because we are the ones experiencing the pain and it doesn't matter if the other person is the one who didn't even cause it. In other words, we have weaponized our wounds. We deny, we manipulate, and we blame, and we justify our behavior to mask our own hurt. And others around us are merely collateral damage as we seek to justify why we punch the wall withheld love or cause them equal pain. I want you to feel what I feel. But the pathway to healing is admitting that what someone did to us, it did hurt. The vulnerability makes us recognize the need for each other, but more importantly, the need for God to do what we cannot do for ourselves. The second reason for anger is frustration. Frustration is just an unmet expectation, and it's real or perceived. Frustration is the space between an expectation and reality. It's, it's I, I expect you to act a certain way, and you don't, and in between those two realities is frustration. James commands us to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. The word anger in this context means smoldering or persistence. I'm angry because I'm not heard or understood. It's simmering. Anger is a shortcut. Anger can be linked to our expectations. You should know better. You don't care. We all face so many unmet expectations in life from our marriage, our kids, our jobs, and even our church. And this anger is connected to not being in control. And because we're not in control, we're angry about it. It's not about being stuck in traffic. It's not being in control. And everything continuously to form itself around that. So silent frustrations can lead to breakups and breakdowns. 
We may never admit it, but many of us are silently frustrated at God. He is not meeting our expectation. We are doing the right thing, and we're no farther along than when we were when we were doing the wrong thing. I've learned in talking with the people I pastor that this is a universal thing from the 20-year-old to the 30-year-old to the 45-year-old and the 62-year-old. All said, all, think about the ages from 20 to 30 to 45 and 62. All of them said, I am not where I want to be. They all were frustrated at their lack of progress. And they all said, we're running out of time. Now I'm 45 years old. I'm looking at the 20-year-old like, what? And then the 62-year-old looking, I'm saying, man, no, I'm running out of time. And the, the 62 year old looking at me is like, no, I'm running out of time. Everybody is feeling the same thing, but very rarely expressing it. The challenge is when we don't live fully, we deny what's in our hearts and we're skirting around the one thing that makes us most human, not knowing. The uncertainty of life is what brings us together. Uh, write this down, 2 Kings chapter 5. Long, it's a long story short, it's about Naaman. And Naaman is a general and he has leprosy. And he heard that the prophet Elijah can heal him. And so uh, um, he is expecting Elijah to come directly to him. Elijah doesn't. He sends somebody else to go after him and says, hey, go down to the Jordan River, dip seven times. Naaman's like, wait a minute, why are you not even um, meeting me? The second thing is there are other rivers that I can, I can dunk in. Because God didn't meet Naaman's expectation. The scripture says in verse number 12, he turned and went off in rage. Don't let your anger with God miss the opportunity that God is actually trying to use you, use to bring to himself. And so things aren't happening like you planned, and you're frustrated. You know it, and so does God. But you refuse to admit it. So we express this frustration by placing demands on the people around us. Because it's easier to control through anger than to admit, to admit the hurt of disappointment. That when my expectations are not met, it hurts. One makes me feel weak and vulnerable. So I demand certain behaviors. I demand and we become legalist. And the expectation is you do this and it's the lack of control. The last point I want to make, um, anger uh, can also be derived from insecurity, a perceived attack on identity. Anger can be the evidence of insecurity. I am being devalued. I have no worth. And so when somebody asks us questions, we see it as a personal attack. There's no such thing when a person is dealing with insecurity as a constructive criticism. Everything is a criticism. And so uh, it's, and this root of it is you don't think I'm smart, do you? The defensiveness identifies an area, of a, an area of a wound, and the root of insecurity is fear, and insecurity is shaped by our past experiences. We didn't think that we mattered, and so now we're in a relationship with people, and they're just asking for clarification. They're just asking. They, didn't, they truly did not understand what you said, and because you feel that they're attacking. We feel that they're attacking our person. And so, of course, I have to defend myself. 
Proverbs 29 and 25, fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. These words, these feelings worthless or inadequate can make any criticism constructive or make you feel insecure. We continually to believe the lie about ourselves and it's hard to accept the truth. Some root causes of anger is this impaired living. Anger within this lens is a monster. And it can help identify areas that we need to give to God. Whether it's unmet needs, unmet expectations, or insecurity, um, all of these are under the surface. But anger is an emotion. Remember, it's good or bad depending on how we use it. Anger is like a fire. Controlled, it can bring warm, warmth and light. Out of control, it can be destructive. Healthy anger exposes what we value and expresses our willingness to do what is required to reach that value. Anger causes us to take sides and at times to die for what we believe. Anger can fuel passion and communicate something that is, imp- and communicate something is important to us. Anger can create movement. Anger tells the truth of what's in our hearts. Everybody knows the story of Jesus being angry and tearing and flipping over tables. Anger in itself isn't wrong. Being angry at injustice or sin isn't wrong. Being angry at what makes God angry isn't wrong. What makes God angry is the perversion of his goodness. The turning wrong of what he made right. The twisting of God and his word and his love and his attributes should make all of us angry. The abandonment of seeing the image of God in every person should cause us to be angry. Being angry at the sin committed against us is not wrong. He did hurt you. She did hurt you. So 2 Corinthians 10 and 5 says, instructs us to take every thought captive in the obedience of Christ before it becomes a stronghold in our mind. In other words, we can choose what we are going to think and dwell on. But if you never face it, we're going to live our lives constantly triggered. And now in order for us to be in relationship with you, we have to walk on eggshells. As as a pastor, you hear the, the hurt that people come to you about other pastors and how they were hurt and blah, blah, blah. And if you know me, I will say eventually I'm going to hurt you. Because the reality of it is we're all flawed. And I don't know where your wound is. And I could be doing my, my daily thing and brush up against it. And that wound is so fresh, it's like I caused it. And if we're going to be an emotionally healthy church, there's three things that I believe that we have to do in order to manage this anger. The first thing, I've been beating this horse to death. Acknowledge your anger. Like, for real. I know it's odd to say, that has made me angry. But that's what we teach children. But we don't do it ourselves. Use your words. Tell me how you feel. And then we grow up. We don't use our words. And we don't tell people how we feel. It is odd for people to be direct. What we normalize is the side door. 
not the front one. Shouldn't we normalize the fact, hey, and be honest, I don't really like that. Oh, my God, that's so hard to deal with. What? They just expressed how they felt. But we have so uh, uh, denormalized, if that's a word, that when a person comes out and says, hey, I don't like working in the children's area. Uh, that's not my, what I'm called to. Wow. Okay. We'd rather for the person to go back there and struggle. And then because we are so wounded, we oh my God, we weaponize our own wounds. If I can do it, anybody can do it. And the reality of it is we don't listen to our own heart, so we dare not listen to someone else's. This is the, this is the lesson that I'm going to be teaching on next week, shame. Uh, because what I'm recognizing, oh God, I can't do it right now. The first thing is acknowledge your anger. Be angry. Ephesians 4 and 26, and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. You know why? Because it's going to fester. I often say, do not let your thoughts walk around your head unsupervised. Because eventually, you don't have three arguments by yourself. (laughs) And by the time that person walks through the door, that's the fourth one. And you worked out all the kinks. Be honest with yourself. Anger based in selfishness and control is sin. And the only cure for sin is repentance. Acknowledge your anger. The second thing, ask God for help. Real talk. Some of my prayers, I know God is like, man, just get to it. Because it's all around the bush. It's, it's, you know, I'm at this stage, Lord, that I just feel like, you know, I'm at, you know, I'm just, and I love the person, and, 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 you know, and God is like, yo, just, I'm mad, and I'm mad at them, and I'm mad at you for sending them to me. <laughs> Read Psalms. David, <laughs> David is that dude. David in one breath, gnashed their teeth, split their heads, like David. And then by the time that psalm ends, the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. If we don't live full lives, then when we're angry and we don't share our angst and our anxiety and our anger with God, then we're not fully praising him either. How? Because if I'm denying a part of my heart over here, ask God for help. Philippians 4 and 6. This is hard, man. Be anxious for nothing. And let me say this. If you believe I'm talking to you, I am. If you're watching on this camera right now. (laughs) Yeah, God is talking to all of us. Here's the crazy part about this. We really don't believe that God cares fully about us. So think about what the enemy does, because somebody's feeling condemned right now, and the enemy is condemning you. No, God is extending his arms towards you. The Holy Spirit is convicting you. And there's people that we have to apologize, we got to give grace to. One of the best conversations I had, I'm not going to call them out, one of the best conversations I had, I asked somebody, what do you need from me in this season? You know what this brother said? I'm going to need some grace some more grace, 
some more grace and then some more grace. I respected that because what he just said, I'm going to mess up. And what I realized, if everybody would say that, that when you don't follow your word, you don't make an excuse for it. Hey, I was late and I was late because I didn't plan. My apologies. Oh, you know how it is. What does that even mean? <laughs> it's like, is that an apology? That's God. Okay, now, this is where I'm, I'm projecting. I'm projecting now. Ask God for help. First John chapter 1 and 9. If we confess our sins. Oh, my God. I need for you to hear this. God, forgive us. He says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the hope, Cook. That's the hope. That's why we ask God for help. It's, it's, it's a movie that he's watching play out over and over and over. And we get to 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. If we confess our sins, not we confess somebody else's sins for them. If my wife wasn't this, you know, <laughs> I'll be the husband that she desires. Whoa. If we confess our sins, God is faithful. It's, it's the spanking that the parents give you. And, and, and then it's the connection. And the spanking that God gives us is he allows us to not consult him. So in essence, we spank ourselves. And he says if we confess our sins, God is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The third thing I'm going to leave you with. Ask, acknowledge your anger. Ask God for help. Three is release it. Colossians 3 and 8. But now you must also, man, rid yourselves of all such things as this, as these. Listen to how he puts it together. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. And it starts at anger. Anger is a burst. Rage is a continuum. And after a while, you're seeking to do that person you say you love harm. I'm going to make them feel what I feel. And you slander them in your thoughts. And God forbid you use language against them. And it all happens and it starts with anger. But I leave you on this. Psalms 107 and 20. He sent his word and healed them. Here's what's crazy, though. He rescued them from their traps. He rescued them. I think your version says he rescued them from the pit. That all of this leads us into a pit that we can't get out of. And he, we set traps for ourselves because we fail to manage our anger. But I come to serve notice for this church that we're going to get this together. And we're going to break generational curses. We're going to be an over Q.
communicated church. I feel this. I hear that you want me to volunteer at such and such, but this is how I'm feeling about what you requested. Because we're going to be free so that we can live life full. And what God convicted me of is we want them to go out and we want them to be on mission. We will be on mission. But our first mission field is in our homes. And if we're not on mission in our homes, then everything that we do is a performance. If I'm more concerned about the neighborhood across the street than the home that I'm living in, that's not what he's calling us. Because we will all X something. And even if, even if we're in that transition, well, we still, the thing I want to do, I don't. And the thing I don't do, even if we're in that transition, if we confess our sins, God is faithful. I was challenged this week, all these emotions. I was talking to Pastor Brian from East City, East City Stand Up. Um, and uh, my emotions are all over the place. I said, bro, I'm living this message. Because he doesn't want us living in the shadows anymore. He wants us whole. And a great word from Pastor Antoine with emotions, anger, the monster within. He showed us that the root of anger comes from hurt, frustration, and insecurity, but to continue to allow God to work on our hearts. If you are blessed by anything you hear on this podcast and you feel led to give, feel free to text the word GIVE to 704-741-3705. And if you're anywhere near Charlotte or the surrounding area, come by and visit us at 465 South Cannon Boulevard in Kannapolis, North Carolina. Or you can join us online every Sunday at 1033 on Facebook and YouTube. You can also subscribe to us on YouTube and Facebook, as well as Instagram under Think Kingdom. And as always, you can go back, hear this message, and so many more other sermon series and messages right here on our Think Kingdom podcast.